Hey, another great episode of Roundup is coming up next. If you like what you heard, please go online to redsearadio.org and donate, become a monthly sustaining member, and keep us on the air. Thank you and God bless. It's Tuesday, August 1st, 2017. This is the Red Sea Roundup. Thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Deacon Mike Beauvais. Today, we're going to be visiting with Sister Rita Jane Radecki. Uh, she is one of the sisters of St. Francis at CHI St. Joseph. And uh, I am looking forward to talking to her, and I think every, all our listeners are going to be thrilled to hear from her. But before we get into that, I want to welcome everyone listening to us here on KEDC 88.5 FM Hearn, Bryan College Station, and also want to welcome our listeners in Central Texas on KYAR 98.3 FM Lorena, Waco, and also KINF Palestine 107.9 FM. Welcome, everybody. I want to remind you that we're coming to you live this morning. So if you have something going on in your parish you want to share with everybody, the phone number here is 85-LOVE-RED-C. That's 855-683-7332. And as always, I'm here with our trusty general manager, Thaddeus Romanski. Good morning, Thaddeus. Good morning, Deacon. How are you doing? I am absolutely wonderful. Thrilled to be here. Can't believe it's August, though. Hey, August, big month in my family. We got two, two birthdays coming up. So big, big plans coming. Ah, it's exciting times. And we just had, just two days ago, we had another birthday already. So you're not summer, one of the- summertime, busy time. <laughs> not one of these families where you lump all the birthdays no, together. No, 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 no. celebrate them. Very Spread good. Them out. Spread them out. Spread them out. Yes. Par- one party after the other. Yeah. Yeah. Of course, in this weather, you either have to be in a pool or in the air conditioning if you're going to be outside. Well, you're in a you're in a swimming pool, or else you're in a pool of perspiration. <laughs> otherwise, if you're outside. Yeah. So. Oh yes. Although the last couple of mornings have been very un-Texas like. Mm-hmm. It has been absolutely beautiful. Yes. So yeah. Thank God nice for the little weather. Nice little break. Little yes. break in the heat. Now, if only we get a little bit of rain, especially on my yard. Mm-hmm. Mine too. Don't take all my rain. I will try not to. Okay. Thaddeus, I know we've been planning the benefit dinner that's coming up in October. Indeed. Speaking of cooling off, it should be a little bit cooler by the time for our sixth annual, can you believe it? Sixth no, I can't. annual benefit dinner here in the Brazos Valley, October 19th. Thursday at St. Thomas Aquinas Catholic Parish here in College Station. They've hosted us, I think, every year. They, they've just continued to support us. So big thank you to St. Thomas Aquinas for doing that for us. We love being over there. Um, and that is from 6.30 to 9 on October 19th, Thursday. Our theme this year is... Mary, mother of the domestic church. And that's a wonderful theme because that ties very nicely into the motto of our 
Red Sea Radio. Yes. What it? What does Red Sea? What does the Red Sea Apostolate stand for, Deacon? Well, education for the domestic church. Religious education for the domestic church. You're right. Yeah. And so when we have somebody was thinking about something, something somebody was planning that out. Well, sometimes by the grace of God, we come up with good ideas. Yes, exactly. Every once in a while. Every once in a while. But yes, uh, we're going to emphasize the role that Mary plays as the nurturer, as the guide, as the educator for mm-hmm. the domestic church. And what is this? What is this institution, the domestic church? Well, from the Catholic perspective, the domestic church is the smallest unit that makes up the larger church. This is like a really small chapel. Is that what you're talking about? Like a really tiny church? In a way, yes, it is the family, ah. the moms, the dads, the kids that are responsible for forming the larger church. That's right. Because if you don't have the subunits, you don't have the bigger parts. It's like your body without cells. Right. <laughs> you have no cells, you have no body. So if you have no <laughs> domestic church, you have no larger church. And if you have no body, then you've got nobody. Well, always a little room for humor, but yes, yes. we have uh, an emphasis on the domestic church and especially Mary's role in being that mother. Yeah. So the family, the the family is again. This is from from the catechism. The family is the primary teacher of the faith to the next generation. Right. That's where it. That's where it begins. Yes. Exactly, and. Uh, I was going to talk a little bit uh, about the fact that we're ramping up in the fall for religious education, Mm -hmm. RCIA, Mm -hmm. and all these things, but the parishes can only do so much. If this is not lived out in the life of the family, it's meaningless. That's right. And so the domestic church needs to actually live as church, to have a prayer life, to have a understanding of who God is in that family unit. Mm-hmm. Well, how do we relate to him? How do we talk to him? Mm-hmm. Why do we go see him on Sundays? Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. the parents have to set that example. The parents have to be those teachers. Mm-hmm. And again, going back to our theme for the benefit dinner, this is the role Mary had in Jesus's life. Mm-hmm. When we think about it, she took him to the temple. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that same role that Mary had in Jesus's life, she has in the life of the body of Christ. Yeah. I think another little parallel here too is it's St. Alphonsus Liguri's feast day today, August 1st, great proponent of the rosary. That's yes. what our keynote speaker, Deacon Harold Burke Sivers, is going to be speaking on, the tie between Mary, the rosary, strengthening the family, and thinking about the rosary as kind of, in some ways, the the telling of the stories that families do about the old days, the old country, uh, the, the stories in the children's lives, the things that have made the family who they are and what they are. In many ways, that's there's an aspect of the rosary that is that, that it's this retelling and pondering and meditating on the stories of Mary and Jesus's life. And 
pondering those brings you closer to them, just the way pondering and retelling the stories of a family's experience and past brings the family together, knits the family closer together. I think that's a perfectly good analogy because a lot of times when we have get-togethers with family, sure. especially you have grandparents there, right, and they tell stories of what happened in the old days right? when you had to go to school uphill in the snow sure. both ways. Sure. But it's the storytelling that mm-hmm. keeps you connected to who you are. Mm-hmm. And in a way, the rosary does that for us. It keeps us connected to our faith. Right. It keeps us connected to the story of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we just retell those. Right. And right. so I think that's a beautiful analogy that uh, especially on St. Alphonse Liguri's feast day, a reminder why we pray the rosary. So we really want you to come out to hear this dynamic speaker, the dynamic deacon, although I'm sitting across from our dynamic deacon here. Don't want to Not in you. the same category. <laughs> no, but we think, we think Deacon Harold is just going to be a fantastic, fantastic uh, speaker. There's a lot to... Um, there's a lot that's going to to feed you, not just the meal, but you're going to be fed spiritually, intellectually by the the talk. And we hope that you'll you'll leave there um, praying the rosary uh, with a new renewed vigor in your family, or picking it up in your family for the first time and using it to retell those stories of Christ's life, passion, and death, and knit your family closer together through through Him and through Mary. So please come out to the benefit dinner, October 19th, 2017, 6.30 p.m., St. Thomas Aquinas. You can go onto our website now, redsearadio.org slash benefit, and reserve your tables. Be a table sponsor. Reserve Slap, two tables. Reserve two, three. Slap down $2,500, be an HD-level Radio sponsor. You know what you get if you are a $2,500 table sponsor? What do you get? You get a not only the satisfaction of being there, buying a table for people to sit at and attend and invite your, your friends and family to come along, but you get a VIP meet and greet with Deacon Harold. Maybe get him to sign one of his books like Behold the Man, his book on male spirituality. You can't beat that. And... Main benefit of that is, of course, that you are helping out Red Sea Radio. Yes, yes. And uh, if you listen to our program or you listen to any of the programs on Red Sea Radio, remember that the only way we can continue to uh, provide the programming is if we have funding, and that's why we have the benefit dinner. Mm -hmm. So if you have— It's our major fundraising effort. And if you have the ability to sponsor a table, please do so. And we know y'all have always come through for us in the past in big ways. That's why I'm sitting in this chair right now, because the the Brazos Valley community responded in a big way in 2015, and we know that they're going to come through again to keep making this the rock, so to speak, of the Red Sea Network and be there to support uh, all the growth that we've gone through and some of the growth that we have on some more growth we have on the horizon. Can't sc- can't speak about that right now in any detail, folks. Sorry. Yeah. Well, I'm surprised because I thought the reason you were sitting there is because Dennis doesn't want me touching any of the machinery. 
Well, there, I didn't want to get into that, and that's a kind of a personnel issue that we're sort of working through. I didn't want to broach that on the radio, but yeah, there is that. Well, before we move on, a uh, quick reminder that since it is August and we're nearing the end of the summer, uh, I know at St. Anthony's we're gearing up for the fall. We're planning calendars and setting dates to begin religious education and RCIA, and I am fairly certain this is happening at all the parishes in our area. And it's a reminder to the domestic church that it's time to register your children for religious education because, again, while the parents are the primary educators of the children, their role is much by example and the nitty-gritty of this can be provided by the parish. So uh, sign up your kids. I know at St. Anthony's our first class date is Wednesday, August 30th, which is this month. Mm-hmm. And uh, But also one of my uh, favorite things is RCIA is also starting back up. And uh, our first meeting at St. Anthony's is... Thursday, August 31st. Mm. And so if you know someone that is considering becoming Catholic or has questions about the Catholic Church, encourage them to find out uh, where there's a RCIA program that suits their schedule or um, that um, they would like to attend and sign up to go. Now, is this... I've. Maybe this is very. I'm sure this varies from maybe parish to parish, but I've also heard sometimes that if you are a Catholic, you're practicing Catholic, and you want to bone up on your your faith, you can. You sometimes parishes will let you attend some of those some of those sessions just as a learning exercise. Is that true? Oh yes, at St. Anthony's we encourage anyone that wants to know more about their faith to come to our RCIA program, and. Um, if it was up to me, I would recommend that every single Catholic go through RCIA at least once in their lifetime, mm-hmm. because especially for many of us that were born in my generation and the ones afterwards, didn't get quite the formation in their faith that they might have gotten back when we still had the Baltimore Catechism. And so a lot of times we have heard what the church teaches, but we haven't quite grasped why the church teaches what it does, and RCIA is a beautiful way of finding out the reasoning mm-hmm. behind our faith. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, for anyone that has any questions, especially when— And there's an aspect of solidarity there, too. The permanent parishioners are there with the the, the catechumens, and they're, they're, they're helping one another. And That's one of the beautiful too. ways you can enhance that experience is be a sponsor to one yes. of the people coming yeah. into the church— because not only do you have the opportunity to watch someone else grow in their faith, by default, your faith will grow in exactly the same way. And uh, I've seen this numerous times that sponsors have gotten as much, if not more, out of the RCIA process yeah. than the catechumen because they have reawakened something that they didn't realize had gone to sleep. Well, you want, you want more faith? Give it, give it away. Give your, give your faith away to someone, and you'll be given more in, in return. 
It's one of the beautiful things that we see in anything related to God. Yes. The more we give away, the more we get. Yep. Yep. And um, hey, speaking of giving away, speaking of giving away, we've got the KJZT garage sale coming up this weekend, Saturday, ah. August 5th. It's at the St. Joseph's Gym. And I believe Wednesday is when the donation drop off starts. We're running spots on the radio station that have a lot about the details. You can call St. Joseph's, uh, get more details about what they accept and what they don't. But it is just a fantastic garage sale. We've got great garage sales in this community. St. Thomas Aquinas just got done doing one. KJZT does a great one. Lots of just great near-new materials at those things that you can pick up and then you're helping out a great local organization um, stay, stay afloat. And it's a two-way benefit because, one, you get to help out a very good organization, mm-hmm. and you get to get something out of your garage that you're not using. That's right. So it's a win-win situation. Yeah, but don't don't give your wife any ideas about moving all that stuff out of your garage, Deacon. She'll, she'll do it. Yeah, uh, I'm, my Mustang stays. Uh, <laughs> I don't think they're in the auto trading uh, situation yet. I haven't okay. gotten to that level yet. One other thing I wanted to talk about is, and I know Judy talked about this last week, but I'm really excited oh, about yeah, this. Big deal. Big deal. Uh, St. Anthony's Parish in Bryan is going to be receiving in October a first-class relic of St. Anthony of Padua, which will be on permanent uh, residence in our main church for people to be able to come and venerate the relic. And um, we are the only church in the diocese named after St. Anthony of Padua. That's incredible. I did did not know that. But um, this will provide people an opportunity that usually you. Do I guess not this get. is where all the Italians settled that were in the diocese, and that's why that's only St. Anthony's. Maybe well, a large number of them settled in yeah. the Brazos Valley, yeah. and this is why we do have uh, St. Anthony named after that patron saint. But uh, this is a great honor for our parish. Uh, Father Mario uh, Conte, the executive editor of the Messenger of St. Anthony magazine is coming all the way from Padua, Italy, bringing the relic with him, and he will uh, pass it over to Bishop Joe Vasquez, who will receive it in the name of the diocese, and it will be on permanent residence in our parish. That's incredible. um, This is one of the things that, especially for those of us that have um, a great fondness of St. Anthony and uh, have used him numerous times to ask for his intercessions when we've lost things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but just being the patron saint of our parish, this is you know a wonderful honor. So um, we're all looking forward to this and I am anticipating a huge response from the community and um how this will all look in the long run, we have no way of knowing. This is another one of these things that we trust God will take care of this because you never know for sure what all is going to happen. 
Right. But this is a wonderful uh, honor to our community and a great spiritual blessing uh, to have a relic because it's a constant reminder that we are one church, mm-hmm. even the saints in heaven. That's right. That's right. And so uh, having a first-class relic is that reminder that St. Anthony is going to continue to be with us. We're going to take a short break. We will be back with Sister Rita Jane Radecki to talk about what it's like to be a sister of St. Francis. We'll see you all on the other side. the Red Sea Roundup. Remember, we are live, so if you want to call in, the number is 85-LOVE-RED-SEA, 855-683-7332. And as promised, we are here with Sister Rita Jane Radecki. And welcome, Sister. Thank you. It's good to be here. Never been on radio before. (laughs) It's a wonderful experience. I'm sure you will love it, and I'm sure yeah. our listeners will love it. Why don't you introduce yourself to our listeners? A um, little bit about your background. and Okay. Uh, I'm Sister Rita Jane Radecki, a Sylvania, Ohio Franciscan sister. I am from Toledo, Ohio. Now I'm a chaplain at CHI St. Joseph System. What made you uh, decide to be a sister? Uh, I wanted to become a religious sister since I was in grade school. I had our sisters uh, from kindergarten until sixth grade, and then also in Central Catholic High School in Toledo, Ohio. And uh, I got to know them. I spent time with them after school at their convents went to the mother house in Sylvania. They were interested in us, our life, our friends, what we were wearing to the proms, (laughs) our families, and our dreams and our future. I saw them as friendly, who enjoyed who they were and what they were doing, and they were prayerful. And I wanted to join them. So, in a way, it was about their relationship with you and the other girls in your school that sort of tweaked your interest in... That's right. They went out to us. They were very friendly and willing to share life with us, their life and our life. Now, there's different religious orders, and uh, when you're considering a vocation... Did you consider other vocations, or was it because you were introduced to these sisters that you pretty much had decided to join the Sisters of St. Francis? Well, as I said, I had them in grade school and high school, but in sixth grade, we moved to another parish, and I had Ursuline sisters in Toledo, Ohio. Mm -hmm. 
And so, yes, I got to know the Ursuline sisters. They were the same way. I uh, got to know them, spend time with them. And uh, I probably, if I went to the convent in a, after eighth grade, it was in those years you could join uh, the convent early on. I didn't go till two years after high school. But uh, if I would have been able to go after eighth grade, I would have joined the Ursulines. So but my parents uh, said no, and I went to high school, which I was very happy to. I loved Central Catholic High School, very involved there. Uh, and so I went uh, two years after high school, and then I had a chance to, again, uh, regroup with the Sylvania Franciscans. But Central Catholic had many communities. We had three orders of Franciscans. We had Ursulines, Mercy Sisters, Grey Nuns. Uh, Notre Dames, so you had your choice. <laughs> <laughs> but you chose the Sisters of St. Francis. Oh, yes. Have you, um, in your life, as you consider, uh, you're looking back at this, what has been one of the things that uh, you have seen as the best, greatest benefit to you having become a sister? Well, in religious life, you join a religious community of women, all ages, and you learn how to live simply, to live with others. You promise, again, not to marry. You listen to your sisters in charge, whether it be the postulant director, novice director, or various administrators in the community. You live a scheduled life to some extent, going to school or doing a ministry, taking time for prayer, saying the office, morning prayer and evening prayer, meditation, mass each day, a yearly retreat. You live a certain way of life, uh, serving others in the church-related ministries and other ministries. And I enjoyed uh, doing all this. It was, uh, it was a good life for me. <laughs> It sounds very structured. Were you structured going into your vocation, or did this develop over time? Some of us are structured already as uh, children. Others, not so much. That's a good question. I was, an old, I was the youngest of my family. I had an older brother and older sister. They were much older than me. And um, I got to do pretty much what I wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, it was a different change, but it, uh, it was a good change, and I had so many sisters to share life with. So it was a learning experience, but uh, I enjoyed it. Now, you said you had older siblings, and you were the youngest. So you already had an experience of living with a group of people in your family. So when you got to the... Uh, convent, it wasn't that much of a drastic change of getting used to living with other people. and. Well, yes, it was, because remember, uh, my brother was already away. He went to the mm -hmm. Second World War. He was away working. He was a chemist. Uh, he, he traveled. My sister was at Ohio State College. I was pretty much on my own. So it was a bit of a... It was. Adjustment. It was. What are some of the challenges of living in a community? 
Uh, I guess it's being open and willing to go where you are needed. What leaders in the community ask you to do. Um, Being away from family, friends, you know. But you make new ones. And you can always visit families for vacations. Also, getting along with community members. You know, you can't always do what you want, but you do what others want, just like in a family. Community members are your family to some extent. We depend on each other. We pray with each other. We have fun together. We help support each other in good times and in not-so-good times, especially when we're sick, you know. Uh, Also trying to keep your spiritual life fine-tuned so you can keep doing your ministry and live out the life that you have promised to live. You know, living a life of poverty, trying to live simply, chastity, celibacy, not marrying. But uh, being a loving person, though, uh, there's a thing called celibate love. And also obedience, listening to your community leaders and the church. You've described a lot of the things that really you deal with in family, too. You know, Correct. We, everybody has their different personalities that you have to right. adjust. Right. But when you join willingly into a religious order, you're basically adopting these people. They become your family. Yes, very much. And how did you at first going into this feel, was it difficult for you to get used to? No, I wouldn't say it was difficult. I'm a very outgoing person. So, um, yeah, I, I, I get along with most people. I, I'm friendly. Um, I kind of fit right in, sort of. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> but remember, I, a lot of these people were a little younger. I joined when I was, uh, you know, two years out of high school. I was 19. So anyway, but hey, we got along. It was wonderful. Do you still uh, get to see a lot of the sisters that you originally Oh, yes, my crowd. We call them crowds. Okay, there were 21 of us that got our habit in 1960. And uh, there are seven of us here now in the community. But uh, oftentimes the people who have left have come back to our jubilees uh, to visit Sylvania. And, of course, I'm in good contact with my crowd, with all seven of these sisters who I was trained with. That must be a blessing to go through and know that those same people are always there for you. Right. Uh, We've been together since the beginning. They know your good points and your not-so-good points, and they can be really honest with you. (laughs) Almost like having a wife. Uh, But uh, in a way, I think that is a vocation because it is a covenantal relationship exactly yes we're not we don't have a husband we don't we're not married we don't have children but in a way we are married or 
um, covenanted, I like that word too, by our vows, uh, to our community. And so that— And to the Lord, of course. But I think that lends itself to that honesty, knowing that nothing's going to change that covenantal relationship. No. So you can be honest with each other because it's not going to change the relationship. Correct. We're here for life. And I think uh, that is a beautiful example to married couples out there. If you have that proper perspective of that nothing will change that relationship, that you allow yourself the freedom to be honest and not be afraid that it's going to be taken the wrong way, because if it's given in love... That's right. That one word, love, is very important. Yes, What are some of the other blessings of being in a religious community? Well, you will always have a job (laughs) or ministry Uh, within the Sylvania community or away where many of us are working and living, like Texas, Ohio, Minnesota, Michigan, Indiana, Mississippi. You'll always have your community to depend on when you are sick, when you need medical attention, and the many friendships like you had mentioned Uh, that we have formed with each other. So you have opportunities for continuing education, retreats, spiritual growth. You will always have time for prayer and growing in your relationship with God because that's one of the main reasons you joined. I think what you described must give a great sense of relief most of the time, knowing that a lot of these things you never have to worry about. Correct. And I think, you know, our listeners probably would sometimes be jealous of that certainty that your life is taken care of. Yes, to a great extent it is, yes. Not that we don't make decisions on our own, but yes. But I think this is, again, why religious communities are such a beautiful example of the love of God demonstrated to the world because we're all called to trust God to take care of us. And And the community is always there. Exactly. Just the way God is. Yes. And, uh, but God has given us that community. Yes. And uh, in the same way, God gives us families to take care of each other. And if we trust each other, then that will actually happen. Yes. So I, I really th- like your description of that community life and the blessings that come from it and what it can teach us about how our, what our life should look like in a family. Yes, that's a good, thank you. Yes, I hope we are an example to others for community life. Well, you've definitely been an example to me. I have admired your dedication and uh but also talking to you you know the sense of community the sense of devotion is a good example to me personally but i think to all our listeners also um but you're in texas yes and you weren't in texas when you joined the order how'd you get here well um i was uh asked to come here Uh, two years before I actually did. Uh, I had to make sure that this was the right move. I was in religious education for 38 years, 
and never was in healthcare ministry. So I came to Bryan and was interviewed by the director of spiritual care, met with other chaplains, uh, stayed with the sisters, got to know them, the sisters who were here or who were here then. I visited the hospital, met the CEO, met staff members, went to the Navasota Hospital, and then I was offered the job. I talked to my community leader and to my sisters and friends to see what they thought also. As long as I could be trained to be a chaplain and take clinical pastoral education, or CPE, and get certified with the National Association of Catholic Chaplains, I was ready to go. And that's what I did. Now, did other members of your community come down at the same time? Or was it just you? No, I was the only one. Sister Bernice had left the hospital. Uh, she went back to retirement uh, to the Third Age Ministry in Sylvania. And so I came as uh, her replacement. But as I said, since I didn't know health care, I could be trained. And that's all I needed to say yes to. Have you been to other places other than Sylvania and Texas, or is this your two stops? Oh, no. I have uh, I've been around. <laughs> I have been in Toledo, Ohio, uh, at St. Vincent de Paul School, Cincinnati, Ohio, at St. Anne's School, and Sylvania, Ohio, at St. Joseph's School. I taught in those schools uh, for 10 years, grades K to 8. Then I went to Catholic University in Washington, D.C., got my master's degree in religious education, and then, as I said, I was in religious ed 38 years. I went to the Diocese of Toledo, worked there for six and a half years. I was a DRE at St. Anne Parish in Cincinnati, Ohio, for eight years, was in Rockford, Illinois, as an area director of religious ed for seven years, and then Columbus, Ohio, in the um, diocesan office as a consultant for 17 years. So I worked in diocesan area and parish ministry in religious ed. I taught teachers, principals, religion, uh, met with the pastors and parish staff regarding their religious ed programs. Now, there's a dramatic change between religious education and pastoral ministry in a hospital, or would you say there are similarities? Well, you know, I'm still teaching. You know, as you meet patients and you meet them, uh, you meet uh, families and you talk with staff, uh, you're still teaching about God, the church, life, and sharing, sharing life together, and all that is taught us. So, yes, there are some similarities. <laughs> Do you miss the religious education part as far as schools are concerned, or are you happier as a chaplain? Uh, that's hard to say. I was very happy in religious ed ministry. I enjoyed uh, what I did and uh, uh, as a consultant, but I do enjoy being a uh, chaplain. Uh, what I'm doing now in my ministry is a little more one-on-one -on -one personal 
kind of ministry than I ever did in religious education. Not that I didn't get to know the teachers and the DREs and the pastors, but there's a different kind of relationship when you meet, when you meet uh, patients at sometimes a critical time or their families, and uh, you, you just are relating in a different way. I know for me, uh, I've always been drawn towards the education part of it, uh, of our faith, you know, telling others about it. And what I have found challenging about being at the hospital as a Eucharistic minister is that in education, I can plan. I can decide this is what we're going to talk about. That's not possible in ministry because you can't prepare. When you open the door, you have no idea what's on the other side. And for me, that's been a bit of a challenge because basically you're vulnerable. You have to trust that God is going to help you. Correct. So you just pray and you ask the Lord to lead you to what you will say and how you will interact with each person uh, according to what they need. And somehow you can bring that uh, listening ear, that presence, that uh, caring, and uh, what, whatever they need. Somehow I believe that each of us can bring that to each other. I think that's a beautiful statement because that's ultimately what we're called to be. We're called to be Christ to other people. Exactly. And so the challenge is, do we trust God enough? Uh, do we lead. have the faith to actually do that? Yes. What would you tell a young lady that came to you and say, uh, told you that she had been considering joining a religious order? Well, I would tell her to pray, and I would tell her to keep close to the church, the sacraments, pray to God, Jesus, Mary. Uh, you know, there's a difference of vocation to religious life, married life, or a single life, and uh, it's a way of life. So, uh, and then what we do in that way, in those ways of life, are our professions, our ministries, you know, a teacher, a nurse, or so on. So I would ask her to find out about various communities in our diocese. We have 28 different kind of communities in our diocese. Call the vocation office. Call the, uh, the office for religious. Call a sister you might know. In Austin, Waco, here in Bryan, there are four of us. Uh, Brenham has two sisters, two of our Franciscan sisters. Uh, there are sisters in various parishes in our diocese. Or right here at St. Mary Catholic Center, the sisters come, different community of sisters come and talk to students about religious life, you know, and find out what skills and gifts are needed for ministry. What do you have? Uh, find out how sisters live in community, how they minister, what they do. What do you feel attracted to in this life? What are the opportunities to grow in your spiritual life? Read up on the vows which you will profess at first profession or final profession. Poverty, chastity, celibacy, obedience. And the importance of friendships in this kind of life. 
you know, as I said, we don't uh, have a husband, we don't have children, but we certainly have are very uh, connected to people in our own community and those that we serve. Would you say that the vows are more challenging in our culture today than they were when you first considered making them, or is it still a challenge no matter what? Yeah, it's still a challenge to live simply. You know, we're in a consumer's kind of culture. We're in a do-what-you-want-to kind of culture. Um, uh, you know, so yes, it, it, I would think it would be harder now. Looking back at your life as a religious sister, what have you found to be the greatest blessing for you personally in? I guess uh, it's an exciting life. Wherever I've gone and whoever I've met, I've had a chance to grow in my spiritual life, and that's what I always wanted to do. Uh, living a common life with others, and I feel I make a difference. I make a difference um, in all the different ministries I've been to, and I think that's what uh, young women today, if they wanted to be a member of a religious community, um, they can make a difference. They can be part of something bigger than themselves. They can go and do things that they never thought they would do. Go to places they never thought they could go to by being a member of a religious community. And um, so if you are attracted to the religious life and feel that God is calling you to such a life, keep falling in love with God and Jesus. And if you are meant to be a religious, you will get there. In our culture, you hear so often that people are looking for meaning in their life. And what I hear you say is that one of the wonderful things about being part of a religious community is that you have a good grasp of what the meaning of your life looks like, that by following God's call, that that meaning is provided for you. You don't have to go out searching for it. Would you say that's true? Right. I think we're happy when we, when we uh, listen to what God wants us to be, but also God is listening to what we want to be. So I think it's both. So I think God helps us along the way to discern the steps we need to take to have a meaningful and enjoyable life because I believe God wants us to be happy and to enjoy our life, to have a worthwhile life, a meaningful life, as much as we can, as much as we can. When you were that young girl in Ohio considering a vocation, would you ever have imagined being in Texas at no. a hospital? No. <laughs> I wanted to be a teacher. <laughs> oh. 
I wanted to be a teacher. And I thought, oh, I'll be teaching the children all my life. I'll be taking them to church. I'll be teaching them their prayers. And uh, look, look what God, where God has led me. So it's, that's why I said it's, it's been a wonderful life. I can't complain at all. What do you miss the most about being in Ohio? Well, I, of course, I miss my family, friends, and community. Um, I'm not present to celebrate key events in their lives. I missed a couple weddings of my grandnephews and um, a celebration of birthdays, I guess, Thanksgiving. Um, and I did all those things when I was in Ohio. You know, if I could fit it into my schedule, I could drive there, uh, I would go. But that's all right. I uh, go to Ohio at least two times a year. In June, we have our jubilees, and sometimes we'll have a community meeting, and also at Christmas. So I'm there every Christmas. And uh, so I'm a very busy lady when I get to Ohio meeting all my friends and community <laughs> and family. So, uh, so I have a chance to do that. Sister Radecki, before we let you go, um, can I jump in and ask you a question? Sure. You know, based on our, our upcoming theme for our benefit dinner, that it's about the, the domestic church, the family, can you, can you take us back a little bit more and talk a little bit more about uh, your parents, the, the kind of family they gave you, the family life that they gave you that led you to want to consider the religious life, how important they were? Well, we were a close family, of course. Uh, as I said, I had an older brother, 20 years older. Wow. See, my parents lost children in between yeah. the three of us. Yeah. There was uh, somebody that died after Edwin, after Rita, and then after myself. A much more common experience at that time in, in American life, yes? To, to, to lose children yes, in between. Yes, they were born at home. Yeah. See, I was yeah. born in a hospital. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, so uh, I learned, of course, my faith. I saw my mother praying. I saw them going to church. I saw them uh, being a part of the parish. I saw uh, my brother and sister certainly uh, keep the faith. I can remember seeing her. We would share a bedroom, Rita and myself. See, I took her name in religion. Oh, Rita beautiful. Jane, Jane beautiful. is a part of my baptismal name, but my uh, legal name is Darlene Jane. And so when I, we would be, uh, you know, in bed, Rita would get up and pray, kneel down. Where, what are you doing? And she'd say, I'm praying. I never forgot that. Mm. So um, she is a wonderful, prayerful woman. She's the mother of uh, four children. One of them has passed already, but um, I go and stay with her and my brother-in-law when I go to Ohio. So Beautiful. Thank you. So I think, yes, it does start from the family. And again, you know, it was a different time then. I joined in 59. Mm -hmm. You know, families were close. The, the church, you were, they were close to the, to the uh, uh, church, um, the neighborhood that you lived in. Many of us were Catholic, mm -hmm. you know, Polish neighborhood yeah, yeah. in Toledo, Ohio. So it was a different time different time. But certainly the family will always be the mainstay of our faith. That's where it starts. 
But if people don't uh, receive it in the family, hopefully they will find other sources of finding the Lord through friends, through other people in their life. I certainly believe that. And I think this is why we had that call for the new evangelization is because ultimately all of us should play a role in demonstrating what that faith is intended to look like because there are instances where kids don't get it from the family. Right, right. Uh, Like you said, oftentimes parents themselves had not had good background in the faith or, or they're not sure of where they're going. A lot of people are searching today. Um, but I always say, God will find them. God will find them. Yes. And the thing is, God continues to call all of us, and we just never know when we're actually going to start hearing that. We're all his disciples. Yes. And, uh, you know, we know the messages he gave us in the scriptures. And so by our life and by our loving each other and uh, doing the best we can, being the best kind of person we can, um, being a human being, you know, I think we can bring people to the Lord. Before we come to the end of our show, and we're getting pretty close, is there anything that you would like to tell our listeners about a religious vocation, be it for men or women, that we haven't talked about that might be of benefit, in especially someone considering Well, there are brothers, so there are brothers in religious life. We have Holy Cross brothers in our diocese. So uh, if young men uh, check that vocation out, um, and we have various various kinds of congregations of men and women. Uh, Another thing that I'm finding is the associate, the associate uh, uh, programs that most communities have of lay people who are connected to the charism of the community and um, live their life, whether it's married or single, and uh, continue their life and ministry, but are associated with a religious community. So and there I, are opportunities out there for yes, us to be active yes. in a vocation, even if we're in lay life. That's right. Well, Sister Rita Jane Rudecki, I want to thank you very much for joining us this morning. I wanted to thank all our listeners for tuning in. And uh, Great show today, both of you. Thank you very much for being here. My pleasure. You. Thank you. Uh, next week, our host will be Gene Wilhelm. And uh want to ask everybody to please tune in to the Red Sea Roundup. And um, remember that when you are calculating the many ways you might share your time, talents, and treasure with the people of God, always round up. <laughs>